0: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're going to start out on Tuesday, as we always do, with an update on some news and notes around the Bengals' injury situation, what we can expect from the Bengals this week health-wise before practice reports come out on Wednesday. We don't have those yet at the time of recording, and since it is Wednesday, this is your Crossover Wednesday episode, so I'm on with Jeff Lloyd of the Locked On Browns podcast He's been where we are right now, Bengals fans, for pretty much the last decade, and we've been where he is, a fan of a team that is treading the line of the playoffs and has a lot of talent, hasn't necessarily been able to put it together every year. It's a bit of a role reversal this year as the Bengals go to play the Browns, and we'll talk about all of that and more later on in the show. The Bengals today activated John Ross off of the IR after he had a broken bone at the base of his throat, but Zach Taylor did say that Jonah Williams, who we've all been wondering if he would come off the physically unable to perform list and practice in the last few weeks of the season, is unlikely to play since he went through that July shoulder surgery. Williams is eligible to practice at any point here on out, but Taylor said they'll make that call next week. John Ross's return to the lineup comes for a wide receiver core that really pretty badly needs the speed that he brings to the lineup. And all of you remember just how good he was early in the season while battling through his drop issues. He also just put together a highlight reel of very explosive and exciting plays and provided a dynamic to this offense that without him and without A.J. Green, they've been sorely missing. With the emergence of Auden Tate, the continued high production from Tyler Boyd, the continued health of Tyler Eifert, and the contributions from CJ Uzama and from Alex Erickson, who's been solid off the bench, the wide receiver core suddenly looks a little bit more threatening. And with Andy Dalton's return to the lineup and a true NFL arm playing quarterback again, you expect that offense to continue to trend in the right direction. This week, they'll get a defense that isn't quite as good as the Jets they played last week, especially against the run. And we'll see if the offensive line can reprise its best pass blocking performance of the season while getting the run game going this week in Cleveland. That will probably be important to getting the offense moving in the right direction, as Cleveland's secondary, headlined by Denzel Ward, last year's first round pick, and Greedy Williams, a second round pick this year from LSU is a little bit more formidable than the Jets' fifth and sixth string corners that the Bengals faced last week. On the other side of the coin, Joe Mixon should find some more space to operate this week, and I would be surprised if the Bengals don't go back to the concepts that worked, especially against Pittsburgh and against Oakland, and puts those to use against a depleted, at this point, Cleveland defense down way down on the depth chart at safety without Miles Garrett with an injured Olivier Vernon. Joe Schobert still playing really well for the Browns along with Sheldon Richardson, but there are some weaknesses in the front seven to exploit if you're Brian Callahan looking for a way to get Joe Mixon going against the Browns. The Browns, of course, are coming off a very emotionally charged loss to Pittsburgh that essentially knocks them out of the playoff picture. They do still have an outside chance to get there if they win out, and they'll be looking at this game against Cincinnati in their first step on their way to trying to sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team. But losing to Pittsburgh really sets them back as they don't secure that tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. Even for that wild card spot, that head to head record will not be in the Browns' favor. So really they need to win out and they're going to need some help. The Browns have been a really up and down team this year under first year head coach Freddie Kitchens, who hasn't seemed to show the leadership properties that national media would like to see. He's been catching some heat for wearing a shirt that said Pittsburgh started it. Some say he hasn't really been able to keep the Browns focused and in line because there's a lot of talent on that team. And there they are at 5-7 and on the outside. Well, on the outside looking in, the best they can do is hope to get to 9-7. and But you'll all remember Marvin Lewis's first year as a head coach in Cincinnati. And no one was really expecting it from him, whereas there was a lot of hype around the Browns. Marvin Lewis went 8-8 eight eight in his first season with John at quarterback. Freddie Kitchens facing higher expectations, but looks well on his way to being right around that mark where Marvin Lewis was in the first year that he took over in Cincinnati. So Kitchens will have to figure out how to make it work with Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt has been activated from his suspension. So there are quite a few weapons to go around on that offense for Cleveland. The offensive line has had some issues, so Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, Carl Lawson, etc. will look to reprise their performance against the Jets and Harry Mayfield out of his comfort zone all day. And if they can do that, we could expect another close game here coming up in the first Battle of Ohio in 2019. Speaking of the Battle of Ohio, I'm on with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns for Crossover Wednesday in
1: just a minute. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, the, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast.
0: We've got a new offer for you today from MyBookie. And if you're the type of football fan that knows football so well, you could choose any game and call it right. My Bookie is a place for you because they let you turn your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet between the football season, the NBA, the start of the college basketball season. It's time to get off the sideline and get into the action with my Bookie. You can use promo code locked on right now to activate a really good offer. MyBookie will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. If you deposit $2,000, that means you get $1,000 in free money to play with. Using promo code LOCKEDON, again, MyBookie will match you 50% of your first deposit in free money to play with. So if you're confident you can go out there, win a few bets, you're sure to make your money back. If you're tired of watching games from the couch with nothing to gain, go over to MyBookie.ag because no one else gives you more ways to win. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, it's Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Jake Lisko from the Locked On Bengals Podcast, along with Jeff Lloyd from the Locked On Browns Podcast. And today, Jeff, we're here to talk about the annual battle of one team that has fledgling playoff hopes and another team that's hopelessly out of contention. But this year the roles are reversed. <laughs>
3: uh, yes, they are. Um, Look, you know, last week, obviously a huge, huge colossal hit to, you know, what the, the hopes and dreams were to this 2019 season. Look, there had been, you know, obviously some hiccups along the way and some, but there was a chance to maybe write the ship last Sunday. It, you know, Just, just didn't go right, and a guy like Tamarius Randall finding a way to get suspended in what turned out to be the biggest game of the year certainly doesn't help. Um, But you know, you know, you know, obviously, you know, I've been where you guys are. Um, Extremely interesting the way uh, you know Zach Taylor decided to go back to Andy Dalton last week. Um, Now, you end up getting the W over the Jets. And go figure that. The Jets, everything kind of been humming offensively. Uh, A defense full of no names had been playing really well. What was the point there? Was the point like, this is getting too far away. Let's try to at least get what's going to be here in 2020 to feel good about themselves. How did that all come to pass, Jake? And what do you think the reason was they went that route?
0: I think they saw three weeks of Ryan Finley and the evaluation was done. For any... Buddy, outside the organization, (laughs) you watched one week of Ryan Finley, and I think the evaluation is done because he just doesn't have an NFL arm. He can't make the NFL throws. And Andy Dalton, not noted for his arm strength, right? Like coming into the league, it was a weakness. Got to a point where you could say he's got an average arm at this point in his career. He improved his arm strength as he came into the NFL, went and worked with Tom House, whatever. When Andy Dalton came back, this week against the Jets, it looks like he was, I don't know, who, who's a guy with the strong arm? Jamarcus Russell. Like, <laughs> th- the difference is just night and day when you compare Ryan Finley's not NFL arm to Andy Dalton's adequate NFL arm. And there's still the issues with Andy Dalton for sure. But I think what happened was Ryan Finley went out and had two weeks in a row where he didn't even complete 50% of his passes. And they were doing a lot to help him. They were running the ball well, and it was just, I think, pretty obvious to Taylor, who continued to say, we're going to get a win. We're doing everything the right way. The guys are still bought in. Well, you're no longer giving yourself the best chance to win with Ryan Finley.
3: Well, I think the other thing was is, you know, and look, and Andy, look, if the script is written and you're looking where uh, this could end up for Cincinnati, and even the thing is, like, I'm like, what are they doing? I mean – They've got the number one pick sewn up, but then Miami goes out and wins another game. Redskins go down to Carolina and, and Ron Rivera's rain down there. Uh, so it, it's good because, look, I mean, you've got to keep – and we've had a bunch of Browns players on the phone, uh, on the show, and we've talked with a bunch of them. And it's, you know, that 0-16, man, it was mentally taxing. Oh, yeah. And so you go and do this. But, look, Andy Dalton, he, he's still – got. He's look, I ain't done. I may be done here, but, uh, I still want to, you know, I still want to continue down this mm-hmm. road. And look, there's teams that are always going to look for a veteran quarterback. I know the popular one is the bears in that offense, but you know, it, you know, it's not over, you know, it, the script is written in Cincinnati for Andy, but it's not written for Andy Dalton, his career. And look, man, I mean, Andy Dalton ain't no idiot. You can go wear a baseball hat and get a $23 million you know contract over three years, like chase Daniel. Andy ain't dumb.
0: No. and, and, The thing about Andy Dalton is he's just a great human being. A story came out this week, just another in a long line of here's Andy Dalton being a real good dude stories. And this time it's, he rents out an entire hotel for parents of disabled children so that they can have a date night and a night to themselves, gets the kids taken care of. I mean, what a saint of a person, right? Not to mention all the other fundraising he does in the city. So, you know, great human not the quarterback you need to put yourself over the hump. But like you said, you know, you look at the Bears, you look at even the the Panthers now are a team where they've got the good receiving weapons. They've got Christian McCaffrey. That's a pretty good landing spot for Andy Dalton, potentially. You look at what Ryan Tannehill did going from nothing, you know, and now he's playing really well in Tennessee from Miami from the disaster of his career of getting comparisons to Andy Dalton. And now he's out there and he looks – like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL all of a sudden, maybe until this week. I don't know. I haven't didn't get to watch Ryan Tannehill this week, but I absolutely agree with you. There is a future for Andy Dalton out there. And I think he's playing for his next team right now.
3: Oh yeah. And look, And You know, that, like I've made, and I, I took a lot of heat from Bengals fans over the, and I just, I, I just didn't see it. I just didn't see how this team got better. And look, yeah, yes, I cover the Browns, but I, I love the NFL. I want everybody to be good. In an ideal scenario, I don't want playoffs. I want a 32-team postseason round. I, I, want, I want a bracket. Let everybody go at it. I, you know, if you get lucky, you get hot. I just didn't see it for Cincinnati. There just wasn't enough pieces. And, you know, and when they drafted Jonah Williams and some people I had talked to, oh, well, you know, we're not really sure if he's a tackler or he's a guard. And then there were a couple other people we're not even sure if he's healthy. And it's like, no, no, no. Cincinnati because it, you know, it always seems like Cincinnati's first round pick. Okay, we'll see you in a year and a half. When you finally get on the field, it was the William Jackson era. And then obviously now with Jonah Williams. And it, you you just hate to see it happen. And look, some you know, ownership sometimes has gotta look themselves in the mirror and say, Look, are we really doing this the right way? Should we even be doing this at all? But you know, here you are with the opportunity and, you know, you get to go change things up, which is really the only way it was going to happen in Cincinnati because you got, you know, you got some stubborn ownership and you're not the most desirable free agent spot. As my Browns fans know, uh, it takes a while before you get a guy to even pick up a phone call from somebody in a Bengals front office, a Browns front office to actually say, all right, well, at least come in for a visit.
0: Yeah, and it's not just getting them to take the call. It's that the way the Bengals historically structured contracts is the Brown family seems to be disinclined to put money into escrow, which you have to do when you pay guaranteed money. That means yep. you have to put the cash away right now. That cash is gone the minute you sign that contract. The Brown family likes to pay out, for the most part, the contracts they give out. There are some exceptions there. They cut Preston Brown midway through the season this year. But... They don't like to give out the guaranteed money, and that is the gold standard for free agent deals in the NFL right now. We'll see how that changes in the next CBA. The Brown family generally has been pretty anti-player, very anti-free agency for the entire existence of free agency in the NFL. So, yeah, I I mean, I'm of the opinion that the Bengals have to change their ways going forward, right, because they got lucky there for a while. They were hitting in drafts. They were retaining their guys that were good. And then since 2015, well, now we're not hitting in drafts anymore. And now we're looking at next year, we're going to have $60 million in cap space. And what are we going to do? Are we going to spend it on a bunch of guys in their 30s? Are we going to go actually do something like what Green Bay did and make some splash moves? Yes, you have to overpay at some positions, but you just have to get over it, right? Because that's what it takes sometimes to get over the hump. And we'll see if they take that approach in the draft, right? Are they going to pick... Chase Young, which still a notable amount of Bengals fans want, because a notable amount of Bengals fans are Ohio State fans who also want Justin Fields in twenty twenty one. Because of obviously course. that you can plan two years ahead in the draft, of course, as we all know. Naturally. You can't um, and- you can't do that for those of you listening. That that's yes. sarcasm. Just in case it's not clear. You cannot <laughs> plan for the draft in two years, Browns fans can tell you all about that.
3: Oh, yeah. And 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 that's even the thing, because, um, you know, we had our concerns just about Nick Bosa. It, it, a lot of it is just the Bosa family. Look, when you come from a pro, you want everything lined up for you. And then, you know, when Nick Bosa, you know, his career ended at Ohio State, everybody got to see Chase Young. I'll be honest. I mean, you can look at it the way the Browns did it. Of course, you know, the Browns did it with two first round picks after Miles Garrett. Um, the Bengals may not be that savvy to have that work out for them in that scenario. But, I mean, look, you wouldn't go wrong with Chase Young, um, but uh, you go yank the guy in from Baton Rouge. It, there's just no doubt about it. And we actually, uh, last night on our PFF show with John Costco, who actually lives in Cincinnati now, he's like, no, you don't get it. He's like, Joe Burrow is literally playing at a Drew Brees, Tom Brady yeah. level right now. Like, that's, it, once you say that, we're done. It's over. Like, Joe, if they get one, Joe Burrow doesn't even have to go to the combine. It's over. Dude, you are, you are it. And if you're the Bengals, like, can I start negotiating now? When is too early? Let's just get this handled.
0: Last time the Bengals had the number one overall pick, they did work out a deal with Carson Palmer well before the draft. There was no suspense. I don't know if you remember that, but oh, when the Bengals course. picked Carson Palmer. They had that deal signed before the draft, and everyone knew. It's Carson coming to Cincinnati. I talked to Mike Renner about Joe Burrow last week to get his take because Mike Renner is a huge Joe Burrow stan. And he also mentioned Drew Brees. And I'm like, is that is that the pro ceiling? Can he be Drew Brees? And you compare the passing charts, sometimes you can see it. I actually interestingly looked at – you go look at uh, – Deshaun Watson's passing chart and their recent victory over the Patriots and he won that game exactly where Joe Burrow wins he won deep and he won in the intermediate middle part of the field and you look at the Saints offense that's where Drew Brees wins and if the PFF guys are 100% right that Joe Burrow is doing something unprecedented statistically and they track that next level accuracy stuff like is it on the body is it in the numbers is it behind is it is it high And he's also doing really well in those metrics, according to Mike. We haven't seen it yet. I think that that stuff gets into the draft guide. I think some of it does at least at the end of the year. So I'm looking forward to that too.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
3: Yeah, he's just a fun player. And, you know, I for me, and, you know, I haven't – even last year I didn't have to do it. This year, I, I'm not watching quarterbacks like I was in the fall of 17 where it's, okay, here's the day. Oh, God, Sam Darnold at 1030 on a Saturday night. Um, but sitting down for that Alabama-LSU game, and I was just like, all right, you're not going to be the one to tell me that Tua is better. I am not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it for a second. I kind of went into it where I was nervous about Tua in the body. Um, you know, way too many injuries for a guy the age he is. But it was just like this guy. I mean, he's got stones. He went, into that play- he went in there to Tuscaloosa like it was nobody's business, had his way, and then you cap it off last week, and now he's going to get a playoff run. And, you know, maybe obviously a, a huge uh, potential matchup with Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Where maybe that'll seal it for these Buckeye fans, um you know you'll get to see it really up close when you're paying attention to it uh it, it's been fun to talk about and I, I think it's like the most joke of anything right now it It's early December, we haven't even had the Heisman yet. We don't even have the conference championship games yet, and if you're one of the teams who needs a quarterback and you're drafting one, it's joe burrow it's like it's Joe Burrow and it's Chase Young and who's on the clock at three, and we're like five months away.
0: Yeah, and I do want to make sure that we're still giving Tua credit because you you won't be dissuaded from Joe Burrow, but a big part of me still likes Tua Viola more than Joe Burrow. And the reason that I've allowed myself to be talked into Joe Burrow at number one is A, because of the unprecedented production and accuracy that he's shown. He's got good athleticism. I sometimes think that he pulls the ball down and runs a little too readily, but generally he's doing so purposefully. So Again, I've been talked into that, but Tua has done it over two years. I still have the age concerns with Burrow, and I still have the one-year production concerns with Burrow. Those have been largely mitigated by just how good he has been, but Tua does have a couple of those things in his favor, although he is only playing half a games a lot of weeks. So the injury is enough, I think, that I I totally get it, but we should probably talk a little bit about the game this week,
3: right? Yeah, actually this week um apparently Cincinnati is traveling on up a little bit. Uh it'll be Browns Bengals. Um it's going to be interesting because it, where are the Browns? Look, you're still alive. But you just suffered a huge gut gut punch last week. Uh and last week last year that was these two games against the Bengals were important because you needed to show that you had some credibility in the division and you ended up going three, two and one in the division. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, cause obviously, you know, you play every, you know, NFC divisions once every four years. And by the time you see them again, everything is so much different than it was. You gotta, if, you've got to be able to make sure you can get it done within your division. The rest of it, it doesn't matter. And like, you know, Oh yes. Well, we're going to have to face new England. Well, no, duh. You're going to have to face, you know, Kansas City is probably going to be hanging around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you don't get it done within division, none of that other nonsense matters. Um, So it's going to be important how they come out. Um, If they start out flat, they usually play flat throughout. If they start off hot, there's the question mark. Because some weeks, it's been all right. We're going to run right through you. The Baltimore game. The Buffalo game. miami Actually, there's a little maybe a little more teeth to that now against playing against Miami because you know they're playing really really hard. It's keeping the consistency, but it starts with being able to start quickly. They start quickly, it usually remains that way. They start a little flat; it, it's hard to get it going then. Uh, but you know the juices are going to be there. It's Bengals Browns that rivalry is always there, uh, but they just got to kind of get out of the gate here. Um, but it, Cincinnati's going to be bringing something a little different, you know, I mean, you're going to have, look, they have oodles and oodles of, you know, tape on Andy Dalton, but there are a bunch of guys that, you know, just aren't traditional names on the Spangles team.
0: Are there? I mean, I guess there's the, the big <laughs> newcomer is Auden Tate. He's been incredibly productive under 22 years old. Love auden Tate. you My love guy. auden Tate. He's a human highlight reel. Every week he's out there doing something insane with his body, catching the ball 13 feet off the ground or something. I don't know. I want to see him in a dunk contest. And the crazy thing is he didn't even jump that well at the combine, but on Tate's a new name on the defense is pretty much the same crew. I mean, you got BW Webb out there at corner, a couple, a couple of different defensive linemen, Josh, Josh, played really well at nose tackle. That's pretty much it. I mean, it's a lot of the same crew out there. The, the big missing name of course is AJ green, who still doesn't look like he's on track to play this week. I would be surprised at this point on Tuesday. If he does John Ross, on the other hand did just come off the IR. So there's a little bit more punch to the Bengals at skill positions and Tyler Eifert somehow has stayed healthy. So they should be pretty well equipped. It's just Andy Dalton with and without AJ green is a pretty monstrous split and, Missing him just takes a lot of the teeth out of that Bengals offense.
3: Let me ask you this, though. I mean, to, to be fair and to be honest, look, I absolutely love AJ Green, the player. And Auden tape. I fought for him that entire draft cycle. Everybody fought me. Oh, well, look at the athletic numbers. How are you going to cover him? I said, if you're behind him, you're screwed. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do? Well, you're not going around him. He's thick. You, uh, you're not going over him. That's not going to happen. Um, so even well, I don't know if he's going to create enough separation, okay, try it, to go through him and get the ball out of his hands.
0: It, it can be an issue, and it happened this week. I actually noted this play in our game recap. There's a little comeback they ran to Auden Tate, and you don't want to give him he, – he's not as good in those sort of timing routes where a corner is going to get out of his break a little bit faster than he is sometimes, and you can play through him if you're getting out of that break faster than him, and it's a timing route. But where he excels is – anywhere away from his body his hands are just vice grips and his ability to catch the ball away from his body and go over people is what's really impressive adjusting the balls behind high outside that's where he's really really good and that's where he has a special skill that can play for a long time in the NFL but I, I do think that he is not a perfect wide receiver by any means right like I, he's never going to be a number one but he's a great complimentary piece
3: I, I, honestly, you look at it, and, and here's the thing I was going to say. I mean, we'll get to the A.J. Green thing in a second. Boyd is just a nasty route runner. Yep. John Ross is your pain in the butt. Look, he can go vertical on us at any given time, and he's actually gotten really, really good in his red zone routes. And then there's a well, we don't have a six-foot-three cornerback who can handle Tate. It's, it's not a bad threesome. It's a really nice threesome on paper – if, you know, you find the quarterback with the arm strength and everything you're looking for. The thing is, Jake, do we even know what A.J. – I mean, it's been – it's got to been over a calendar year now since A.J. Green has played an NFL game, no? So is it really hard to say what he is? And look, I mean, if you're going to move on from Andy, is it maybe time to move on from A.J. Green too?
0: If they move on from A.J. Green, I mean, maybe they couldn't trade him because – Everyone knew that he was still hurt, but reportedly he practiced after the trade deadline, right? And then he aggravated his injury. So they didn't try to trade him by all indications, or they were just nowhere close. But nobody reported that the Bengals really entertained offers. It sounds like a lot of teams tried to get him. Those were the rumors going around. But if they decide to keep him for the chance to win a couple games this year and then don't extend him, I think that's a problem. I think that I do want to see the Bengals bring back A.J. Green because I think he still has a lot left in the tank. And if he can get healthy, he's had some pretty weird injuries, right? Like this is taking a long time to heal, and I am concerned about that. He's had some setbacks in his recovery. It's it's a high ankle sprain, right? He had to have a surgery on it. Sounds like it was pretty severe as far as this type of injury goes. But if he can recover, then I think that he brings a lot to a team that could be bringing in a new quarterback right and then you've got your Larry Fitzgerald to complement a pretty solid skill set a skill set of positions for your new quarterback and then yes the draft is really strong at receiver this year but you don't have to go out and feel like you have to get a weapon to couple with your new quarterback you can address the other you can adjust value BPA you can you can address other team needs at that point so I, I do see a good argument to bringing back AJ Green but my question for you Jeff is so you got these receivers that you seem to think are a bit of a mismatch. The Browns corners are pretty good, generally speaking, or on paper, look like they're a pretty good uh pretty good group. Is it gonna be the kind of game where you just sit sit back in zone, you try to trick Andy Dalton, or is is it gonna be a lot of man from the Browns this week?
3: It, it's weird how Wilkes is doing this. Steve Wilkes. Um like they're covering well deep, but like they're not like it seems like he's coaching them to attack the ball at the receiver's numbers, as opposed to flipping your head around Greedy Williams looks really, really kind of lost in this mm-hmm. uh, Denzel Ward. There were, uh, you know, it was a couple of balls against uh, it. was a ball against James Washington last week. It, it, it I, I don't like it. Um, you know, Greedy Williams, this is not what he was at LSU right. Denzel Ward. This is certainly what he, not what he was at Ohio state. And I think the thing with Wilkes is, Granted, you, you lost Ward and Greedy Williams for a month. Mm-hmm. So you have Terrence Mitchell. You had uh, T.J. Carey. These were your outside corners. Not nearly the athletes that Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward were. So it worked better. I mean, these guys are longer-armed physical corners. It worked better for them. And even the Raven game, when it was announced that you know, Denzel wasn't going to play and it was announced that Greedy wasn't going to play, I was like, actually, this isn't a bad deal. Uh, because the, uh, the two veterans were better tacklers. You worried about Lamar Jackson, now that instinct. Um, the, you know, the Ravens passing game had featured tight ends. But look, this is what these two kids do and do well. Um, granted, I'm not bagging on Steve Wilkes because I think he's done a phenomenal job. Could you imagine playing the Rams without your entire secondary and the score being 20-13 to 13 when your offense had the ball on the five-yard line with a chance to tie the game? Phenomenal effort. Now you'd look at what he's been dealt with. Miles Garrett gone for the season. Olivier Vernon was hurt, and, and and hanging at well, you know, and beating up on Miami, hanging with Pittsburgh with your third and fourth defensive end playing. They are da- right now. They had their seventh safety play over thirty reps Sunday, so like people want to get on Wilkes and give him a hard time. Look, San Francisco had his number. By all means, they did. They had his number in spades. But, you know, everybody wants to get on Wilkes. Well, oh, no, no. We lost 20 to 13 to Pittsburgh. This offense was supposed to score 25 to 30 points a game. It's not a big deal that, you know, the defense gave up 20. I mean, the other guys on the other side of the ball, they get paid too. So, you know, everybody gets so – a lot of Browns fans get upset with Wilkes. The defense really hasn't been the issue. It's not been the issue at all. The problem is the offense isn't doing what they're doing. But, you know, he he needs to get – more into what's best for denzel ward and greedy williams and look you know whether or not they move on and they change this staff which i can understand but now it's a third coaching staff in three years uh baker will be in his fourth system in four years you know it, and, and now they've altered their roster to what steve will steve Wilkes likes the trade of Gennard avery who was a good player, but Steve Wilkes likes his, D, likes his D ends to be six foot three, six foot four, north of two sixty five. So you catered your defense somewhat to Wilkes's style. So then he better be here because you can't keep reinventing this crap on the fly.
0: Yeah. Well, you do have to wonder about Freddie Kitchens. Uh, my last question for you before I get your outlook and we talk about what we expect this weekend, and we are pressed for time at this point, so we do have to wrap up. But is Freddie Kitchens ever going to figure out how to use Odell Beckham Jr.?
3: I, that part, I do not know. And the biggest thing, and this is the one question we had, Pete Smith and I, would look, we were excited as hell. Look, it's Odell Beckham Jr. But what made Baker great last year was, I don't care who your name, what your name is. I don't care what your number is. I don't care who you are, whether you're the first wide receiver, the fifth wide receiver, first tight end, third tight end. If you're open, you're getting the ball. And that's really, really difficult to do when you have Odell Beckham Jr. and you have Jarvis Landry. You're talking about two of the most productive wide receivers through the first five years of their NFL career ever. And you know they're chirping, and you know they want the ball, and it's really difficult to say, well, yeah, you were kind of open, but I had a tight end wide open, eight yards past the line of scrimmage, which would have turned into a 16-yard play, and I think that's been a big issue here. And you know, and maybe some of it is just let Baker be Baker. And once he starts hitting wide receiver three, tight end three, uh, you know, you know the Chubb Hunt thing has worked out very well. Just let him find who's open, move the sticks, because you know what, eventually the coverage is going to say, well, we got to cover that guy too now. And once it's more Odell one-on-one. You know he's going to win more than he's going to lose. That's been the biggest issue.
0: Yeah, so kind of a perhaps Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield, young, not young necessarily, but inexperienced at their respective jobs, managing some personalities there, managing some expectations and letting the offense do what the offense is supposed to do. But regardless of all those things, what are you expecting this weekend? I personally – I'm still not very hopeful for the Bengals in either of the Browns contests, especially the one in Cleveland. But what do you think?
3: Uh, I think the Browns should bounce back. Um, the question is going to be how much you can get at Olivier Vernon. Olivier Vernon gave you 12 snaps last week. Look, um, they, I, you appreciated the effort. Um, you know, once you saw the big old brace, you kind of knew what you were getting. You weren't getting 100%, but you know, the game meant that much. Sheldon Richardson's been playing really, really well this year. Uh, Joe Schobert, uh, and even Mac Wilson. Look, Mac Wilson runs around 100 miles an hour. A lot of times he runs around 100 miles an hour and misses things. Um, but I think the defense should be able to hold it down, whether or not Demarius Randle plays, who even knows at this point. Um, but the offense should – this should be one where the offense can get it done. And I, I want to see that fire because if they don't come out and look inspired and fired you know for you know, fired up for Freddie, it's bad news. i I would say you know, I hate doing these scores. 24, 13, Browns, if not more, um, you know, the Bengals, you know, I mean, the Nick Chubb, Kareem hunt thing, and everybody last week, oh, we went away from it, and and it's all about now, oh, well, let's go with extra tight ends. The Browns tight ends can't block. their tackles can't block. they run the ball well. Some people can run block here. The pass blocking is atrocious. Carlos Dunlap certainly concerns me. There's no doubt about that. But I I think with the mixture of these guys, I I think there's enough where all of them are kind of pissed off about what happened last week. And I think I like that because when this team plays pissed off is usually when they play better.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they react emotionally. They were obviously very charged going into the Pittsburgh game. They haven't played the Bengals yet this year and any animosity between these teams is so far behind them and pales in comparison to what's gone on with Pittsburgh that it'll be interesting to see what kind of emotion they come out with. I'm sure they're going to want to come out and think they should be able to beat a one and 11 team. But I think that what did this game open at the Browns favor by nine, nine and a half points or something. I think the Bengals probably cover that. And I think it's either a six point game, something, something in that area Just because I think the defense has been playing better. They've figured out some communication issues and have some more consistency on the defensive side of the ball. Darquez Denard coming back has made a huge difference for them. He's been adequate. He's been good in the slot, and they were really struggling there. And he's really provided a big boost in run defense is is a big difference with him because he's actually going to go in there and tackle. Carl Lawson got healthy. They have a really good defensive line rotation going on right now. Browns have had some issues with the offensive line, as you mentioned. So if the Browns can't get that running game going in a dominant fashion, because that's really what's put the Bengals behind the eight ball this year, then I think it definitely stays close. And then on the other side of the ball, getting John Ross back is big. Andy Dalton will probably continue to play fired up, trying to put on tape for his next team for the rest of the year. So I see this one being close, but I'm not sure the Bengals have it in him to pull it out. But Jeff, It has been a pleasure. We'll do this again in a few weeks when these teams play again in the final week of the season. Maybe the Browns are playing for that wild card spot.
3: I think it's – look, I mean, all hope isn't lost yet. Go run the table. Um, Obviously, you have that big, bad Baltimore thing there. Uh, You know, Arizona is definitely scary. Um, Obviously, they're players away in Arizona. Um, And look, Cincinnati, look, and I'll tell you right now, for you – and for Joe, one of the best things in the world is getting to do a whole bunch of draft talk knowing it all revolves around you.
0: Oh, we've already started it. I mean, we're ready to hit that simulate to draft button, you know what I mean?
3: Oh, I absolutely know. Uh no doubt about it and it's, you know, it, it it's fun and, you know, it, it's it, it, it you get to play so many scenarios with it and it's it, it, it makes for a good time. Um, look, I mean, everybody, look, we'd all like to be talking, you know, games in February, um, but sometimes you just got to be realists, you know?
0: Baby steps, you know? The Bengals had to go 8-8 eight and eight before they went with Marvin Lewis and got it going, and maybe the Browns are on their way. Well, Jeff, it has been a pleasure, and we'll wrap up there. Looking forward to the Browns-Bengals game in Cleveland.